From Brahms to Bridgerton and Baroque to Beyonce, classical music is hitting the streets of the capital the 2nd and 3rd of September. Born out of COVID-19 lockdowns and the then cancellation of street festival Cuba Duper, Orchestra Wellington joined forces with performers, ensembles and businesses to combine classical music and contemporary street culture. Classical on Cuba is now in its third year and this year features more than 40 groups playing across 12 venues over two days. And joining me now is the very seasoned festival director, Drew James. Kia ora, Drew. Oh, kia ora. Nice to um, have you on the show. So this was a result of Cuba Duper being cancelled, but why classical music? Well, look, we were in a situation where um, we had a team in place for Cuba Duper 2020, um, and Orchestra Wellington were also in the same situation. They weren't able to perform an opera that had been originally scheduled. Um, so at the time, um, uh, Jerry and Kirsten from um, Orchestra Wellington got together and said, what can we do? One of the things that we um, uh, people lost through the cancellation of uh, 2020 for Cuba Duper was our um, street partners, you know, our businesses and our hospitality partners. Um, and so we decided to give them something back. We took classical music, we broke the orchestra up into about 20 groups, um, and we took classical music into those hospitality venues. Um, and the outcome of that was just fantastic, so we've continued. So it's across 12 venues, two days over next weekend. How does this work? So you, if, you, if you have a ticket, can you just pop into any venue at any time? Uh, what we do is these things called classical crawls. Um, and so that's the kind of backbone of the overall program. Um, so you can buy um, a $10 ticket if you buy eight um, you know, consecutive um, concerts, um, or you buy a $12 ticket for a 30-minute uh, performance um, in each of the venues. Um, we also have a number of feature concerts as well um, in the evening. So we've got New Zealand Trio um, and we've got um, the Gallery Orchestra um, uh, playing with uh, the Futures um, band as well. This might be asking you to pick a favourite child, but do, are there any groups that you'd recommend in particular or, or ones that are new this year or a bit quirky? Look, one of the things that is really fantastic about what we've managed to do, particularly over the last couple of years, um, working with um, John Tharsis, who is obviously an amazing composer, but has a real vision for classical music and where that kind of sits within our contemporary world. Um, so we were talking to him about what we could do from a commission point of view. Um, and in 2022, we did a, a commission with um, five composers um, for a string quartet. Um, and this year, um, we've put the, um, the challenge out um, to create five new works um, with an electronic music producer, mm -hmm. a composer, and a percussionist. So we have five brand new works that are going to be premiered um, as part of that. We're calling it the new Cuba Street Suite. <laughs> and what about people who aren't really into classical music? You know, how do you how do you sell this to them? Look, I think this is one of the really wonderful things about the format of the festival. Um, we certainly have an audience who are classical music aficionados that want to come along and see artists and see work um, in a more intimate environment. Mm. Um, but we also, and they, and they go to venues that they may not necessarily have walked into before, um, you know, venues like um, Bedlam and Squalor, um, which, is, which is the venue that's um, up above Rogue and Vagabond. Um, but then we also have an audience who um, 
are really interested in, I guess, discovering um, new work, new sounds, um, mm-hmm. are very used to those venues um, and are really prepared to go out there and listen to something new. So it's a wonderful kind of bringing together of those two audiences. So this is trying to, you know, get people who love classical music into a different kind of venue space and potentially draw a new uh, potential aficionados, if you will. But taking it out of the usual context and putting it into a funky venue, is that enough? Like, how do you ensure that the interest in classical music continues? Look, there's a range of ways that we do that. Um, you know, we do curate the program on one level. So we've got um, Elliot Vaughan this year um, really kind of pulling together or, or liaising with all of the artists in regards to the repertoire that they're playing mm. and what and what that kind of balances. And so he's been very careful about um, looking at um, both contemporary work um, and the work that, um, you know, the, the favourites that people would really want as well. Um, but working, knowing those artists, he's an artist himself, he's a, a viola player, so he knows those artists and he knows what it is that they want to do. One of the really nice things about it is that the groups themselves have that opportunity um, to bring the repertoire that they would really like to play. I mean, many of these musicians are playing in orchestras. Um, there's quite a few that are in Orchestra Wellington, a number that were, are in NZSO. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're used to being, uh, a lot of the time, um, in orchestra situations where they don't have as much control <laughs> um, over the repertoire. <laughs> um, but they're wonderful, wonderful musicians, and they're getting an opportunity to play uh, what they would like to play to an audience as well. So that kind of brings another element into it. Mm. You're a very uh, seasoned festival director. You've got 30 years under your belt. You've done WOMAD, you found a Cuba Duper, New Zealand Fringe Festival, uh, you're chief, chief executive for the Creative Capital Arts Trust. It's a, it's a very long list. But what's the biggest challenge in getting these kinds of events up? Look, I have to say that it's always going to be funding. And, um, you know, Mm. with all of our festivals, we're running three festivals at the moment per year with the um, Creative Capital Arts Trust. Um, And every single one of those we have to uh, raise money annually for. Um, And things can change so much from year to year. I mean, it's been a very, very difficult time, particularly with Creative New Zealand over the last few years. Um, some years have been great, and then, but the consistency isn't there, and so it's very, very difficult for us to plan um, on an annual basis. What it means is we just have to work really hard to make sure that that happens, but it's risky. Um, and, you know, I, I think luckily we're an organisation which is, uh, you know, creatively driven um, because, you know, in, in a lot of um, commercial environments, um, you know, that kind of risk um, it just would be untenable. Mm. Particularly difficult the last few years because of COVID? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, th- there's lots of reasons, um, I guess, why Creative New Zealand are in the situation that they are in at the moment. But certainly over COVID, there has been a huge demand and that, you know, and artists have been working very hard to kind of create work. And then there was a, a you know, a, a year or so ago um, where there was money around for people to present that work. And I think that, you know, there's another cycle that's happening at the moment. Um, you know, the Wellington City Council has been always very, very supportive. And, you know, for the Fringe and for Cuba Duper, we have um, multi-year funding, which really helps us with that. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, from a creative New Zealand point of view, it's very difficult working on a project basis year to year. Um, and of course, alongside that, we're, we're raising, you know, around about 50% of our budgets um, through sponsorship and other grants as well. Mm. 
how how do you think what people want from festivals and these kinds of public events have changed you know over the last few decades Look, it's a really interesting question, and I think that, you know, we'll probably look back at the last three years as being a really significant time um, over the last few decades. Um, One of the things that we really noticed um, and was really clear um, for Cuba Duper in 2021 um, and also in 2023 was the the appetite um, that audiences had for getting out um, and you know really making the most of an event like Cuba Duper from a social point of view it's very important um, for a lot of people that Cuba Duper brings people together um, in, in that larger community um, you know to explore together and to um, see people that you haven't seen for a while and all of those kinds of things I mean after all Wellington is a, a big village um, on one level but uh, you know I, again I think fringe is, is, is another thing it's um, you know we've been very successful over the last couple of years in addressing um, the needs of artists in regards to living wage Um, and so the fringe over the last couple of years has been in a situation we've been able to invest you know um, $200,000 this year with the support of um, Ministry of Culture and Heritage um, into fringe artists being able to pay themselves for creative time. And that's a real game changer. That's something that will really um, you know, show itself over the next few years mm. um, and potentially decades um, in regards to the quality of work that's coming through. And just finally, are there any plans to do something like Classical on Cuba in any other city? Like if in Auckland, would it be you know, Classical on Commerce? Classical on customs. <laughs> that, that's a very interesting question, and in fact, I have had a conversation um, a year or so ago with uh, you know one of the councillors from Auckland about the idea. They they come down and and seen um, Classical on Cuba and just thought it was a fantastic format. Look, the reality is that we are Wellington based, um, and that's really what we're focused on. Um, but it's wonderful to be able to create kind of models that can transfer from mm. one place to another. Um, classical on Cuba is certainly something that. That um, you know has the potential, um, you know, to move other places. Um, I think Orchestra Wellington did a small version of it in Carterton um, last year, which was fantastic. <laughs> but um, Cuba Duper is something that ha- really grows out of um, you know the city and is so unique to Wellington. And yes, it could happen as a large um, street festival other places, but it would be different. I mean, one of the things that we're really clear about is that we run festivals um, that come from the grassroots. They really grow out of the community mm. um, in Wellington. Um, and we're really interested in how they grow and how they um, respond um, to audiences over um, you know, that, kind of, that, that period of um, evolving. Mm, um, rather than kind of taking events and um, you know, kind of imposing them right. um, over the top of a community. Oh, well, thank you for your time today, Drew. That's uh, Festival Director Drew James. Thank you for popping into the studio.